everyone. Today's guest on Fashion for All, the Smart Glamour podcast, is Michaela Lynn Johnson. Michaela is a hybrid of two of our guest categories, model and maker, as she has modeled for Smart Glamour over the years, but she also works in a variety of fields involving the body and movement. I'll let her introduce herself properly. Enjoy our conversation. Hi, Michaela. Well, hello. <laughs> Could you please introduce yourself? Absolutely. Um, my name is Michaela. She, her. I currently live in Simi Valley, California. Yeah, that's that's a good starting place, right? Okay, sure. Yeah, great. Um, so you have modeled for me many a time in the past uh, six years. So true. It's so true. Do do you consider and or call yourself a model and why or why not? Oh, yeah. Love that question. Um, yes. No. Sometimes. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Um, I think yes. Well, here's the thing. It's such a weird term and it brings with it all these connotations and um, feelings. Mm-hmm. And like you say model and people like think one thing and then I show up and they're like, huh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. In like not necessarily a bad way, but just like, I don't know, it's different. And so that's kind of fun. But also... I don't know how I feel about it. This is so much more complicated than what I thought you were going to, what you probably thought you were going to get, but um, no, that's, no, it's fine. I think maybe sometimes just for ease of saying, sometimes I put on other people's clothes and let them take pictures so that other people can see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easier to say, yeah, sometimes I'm model. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even with everything that comes with it. And um obviously I know what you look like but since you just answered the way that you did could you describe your appearance absolutely I am a badass babe coming in at you know 12 feet tall I mean <laughs> lies I'm six feet tall five twelve, as I say mm-hmm. um I am a large bodied person, although that sounds stupid. There's no good way to describe me, right? So I'm I'm fat, I'm black, I'm tall, I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just a lot of human yeah, yeah. personality yeah. in a stellar body that not everybody uh understands. Yeah, I think that's a good uh a good description. I would say it's accurate. Um <laughs> So aside from putting people's clothes on and letting them take pictures of you, uh, what do you do? Oh, my gosh. See, this is another one. Okay. What don't I do? I was Um, just going to say, or what don't you do? (laughs) That's probably the faster answer. What don't you do? Um, Let's start with I am. Okay. So the term I use is perinatal care specialist because Mm. I think it's easier It's harder to explain, but it encompasses more. So I'm a doula or birth worker, but I also do childbirth education. I'm a full circle doula, meaning I assist with all aspects of reproductive health, Mm. um, including reproduction, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, loss, um, abortion, anything relating Mm. to a person who is considering is or is newly no longer pregnant. 
Gotcha. Because, yeah, I feel like usually when people hear the word doula, they more think like midwife, like person that's in the room while you have a baby and that's it. Yeah. And there's so much more to it. And you bring up a really good point. A lot of people don't know what a doula is and they do tend to think midwife. Mm -hmm. Um, But a midwife is a clinician, whereas a doula is a non-medical support person. Mm -hmm. I don't do anything medical. You know, I'm I'm here for education, support, resource, comfort, everything except the medical stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, this is a leading question because I already know more about you than people who are listening to this. But prior to um, becoming a doula, you did many other things involving bodies and... Yeah. So like, could you talk a little bit about your um, trajectory from like where you started with working with bodies and now how you decided to slash ended up now doing doula work? Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. As you ask that, I'm realizing that it's always been like, that's always been my work. So I started. Wait, wait, wait. Have you not realized that before? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's so clear to me. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. 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 I'm just currently <laughs> having a revelation. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so, first career would be actor, which I don't know why it didn't occur to me. That's all about bodies. I mean, duh, Michaela. Come on, wake up. Um, <laughs> so, in high school, I tried out for a play, had never done anything. I got in. I was like, oh, fancy. And then you couldn't get me out of a theater. So, I went to undergrad for music theater and dance and then I went to grad school in New York City for acting um and then there was a recession and that was not fun no bueno um mm-hmm. so it was really hard to be an actor let alone just exist so I went back to school for massage therapy thinking that I would be able to like do that as like a quote unquote day job Mm-hmm. And then pursue acting while, you know, living it up in the big city. Halfway through that program, as an associate's degree program, I discovered personal training. Mm. And it's so interesting because I don't think it ever occurred to me that I could be a physical person in that way. Um, mm-hmm. I think I never really grew into my body well. You know, I I think everyone goes through weirdness in, you know, teenage years. And I think there came a time, I remember in eighth grade, I tried out for every single sport and I failed at all of them. I was just so awkward, so awkward. Poor young Michaela was just really awkward, but she tried so hard. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, sport is not for me. And then in this personal training program, I was like, oh, wait, I'm like learning how to use my body and it's not that terrible. You know, it's it's ironic because I was a dance minor in undergrad, but that was, again, terrifying to me because I had never really been encouraged to embody my body or mm. use it. Um, it was really more about detaching from my body and recognizing how shameful it was or how it wasn't acceptable. So I think when I discovered personal training, I was like, oh my gosh, this is fun and I'm super good at it. Hmm. 
yeah. So then I kind of shied away from massage therapy, which was interesting. So I was doing two associate's degrees concurrently, massage therapy and personal training. And then by the time I graduated, I was convinced that I belonged more in the personal training arena than massage therapy. Uh Um, Because massage therapy, you know, you stand in a room alone with your thoughts while massaging somebody. And you don't Mm -hmm. normally talk to people. Whereas uh, personal training, you get to be active, you get to like, Uh use your body and like, engage with people, which is can be super fun. So then I eventually started teaching at the same school and I was teaching personal trainers. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is even more fun. I get to talk about bodies and Mm -hmm. how they work. And like, oh gosh, I, sorry, this is the, I'm not sorry. Actually, sorry, not sorry. This is when I geek out hardcore is when I talk about bodies. Like I just get so excited because I don't know. Why do you think I asked you to be on this podcast, Mikhail? Oh my gosh, bodies are so cool. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so cool. And I think that's why I stay in the fields I stay in, right? So by the time I came to California, oh gosh, almost three years ago now, I uh, had the inkling of labor support. And then I found a doula training here and was like, oh, let me try that. Brilliant. Brilliant. And so now I get to talk about bodies who are creating bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's fun. I mean, um, that's just bananas. Right? Uh, oh, I know. It's <laughs> so cool. It's so cool. It's so cool. And and then just recently, I am adding even more. I can't stop. I have a problem. I'm addicted to knowledge and education. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am also now a yoga instructor mm. and a Reiki practitioner. Oh my. I know. <laughs> I think you probably have more like certifications than any other person I know on this planet. It's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm so fascinated by bodies and what they can do and all the different aspects of how you can work with bodies. Mm-hmm. And So I I learn about new things and I'm like, oh, I can incorporate that. That's awesome. And I think a lot of it for me comes back to healing modalities. And eventually I want to take a training in trauma-informed care and healing because Mm -hmm. I think for me, a lot of it comes back to that is helping people to do what I have struggled for so long to do, which is relearn how to be in your body, embody your body and exist comfortably inside this, you know, beautiful vessel that we've been given and are constantly being taught to hate or try to uh, change, make smaller, fight against instead of, you know, work side by side with in. And that's, that's actually like a a perfect little segue to um, what I was going to bring up next, which uh, is something that I know because I know you that when you were, Um, doing more of the personal training, I know that there was a lot of thoughts and conversations and um, butting up against the fact that a lot of personal training is, you know, centered around weight loss and trying to make yourself smaller. Um, And that's obviously not something that um, 
you're super pumped about <laughs> promoting. Um, so I'm just curious, like, was that part of the reason that you decided to um, lean more towards doula work than personal training or, or what happened there? Yeah, that is such a good question. And I don't think I knew when I was doing it, how damaging it was what I was doing. Right. And I think looking back, I feel really guilty that I participated in perpetuating those ideas to my students, to my clients, to the world. And I recognize that some of that is regurgitating what I was taught in my education and only more recently taking the time to really investigate and dig deeper and learn more about the history of the diet, fitness, wellness industries. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have gone on a quest, if you will, to (laughs) read different viewpoints and make sure that I am not ascribing to these ideals that just perpetuate the idea that people need to be smaller to be acceptable, or that they have to change their body to be considered healthy or fit, or that that needs to be the goal in the first place. And that movement and and the joy of moving your body has to be connected to these ideals that are billion dollar industries created on very unsound science. Like it just does Mm -hmm. not come together when you look at it. And so Mm -hmm. now I am fiercely anti-diet and have a hard time existing in the fitness spaces because of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and and as someone who's like, you know, absolutely very far away from any kind of being any kind of fitness person or personal trainer person, that's something that I struggle with even as just like a human who like would like to find a fun video or something to like move my body along to you know like yes I would love to be in my home and watch like a fun half dance half cardio jump around the living room video without the person in charge of it talking about burning parts of my body away like I'm not interested oh, in that gosh. I just want to dance and move I don't want to you say I don't want to hear friend. that parts of my body are are you know need to be removed right. I'm not I'm not here for that Right. It's so damaging. But I think it's so far entrenched in everything. It's mm-hmm. really challenging to navigate. And I, I hear you, even the, the idea of trying to look for something that fits the bill mm-hmm. takes a lot of work because you have to weed through all the things. If I was searching for a yoga video the other mm-hmm. day on YouTube and was just overwhelmed with the number of like yoga for a flat stomach, yoga for fat loss, yoga for like all of these things that just make my skin crawl that I am actively trying to work against as I complete my yoga teacher trainings Mm -hmm. and pursue yoga therapy, because I don't think yoga has anything to do with the way that we think of fitness, weight loss, diet, exercise, all of these concepts, it is, and it is not about the postures themselves, right? People think yoga and they think of going to a class and bending into these pretty shapes where, you know, you put your foot behind your ear or something and that's not it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 
the positions, the breathing, the meditation, there's so much more to yoga than what we think of as yoga. But if you go and look for yoga, you're coming back to the same diet, fitness, wellness industry mm-hmm. stuff. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and say that uh sounds a lot like a bunch of white people in the West took yoga and turned it into the weight loss industry. <laughs> it's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> As with everything else, mm-hmm. we have to decolonize what we do. And I'm taking this course on decolonizing yoga specifically, and it is a fascinating mm. because uh, one of the things that I'm particularly interested in is the discussion of the caste systems inherent mm-hmm. in yoga the use of Sanskrit. So generally, when you take a yoga teacher training, it is expected at some point that you learn the Sanskrit names for the poses and the postures and use them in your classes. Um, I have to do more research on this because, again, I've only just taken the first course. But the history of the language and how it was used against people of lower caste who... So if if folks in lower castes used the language... Sanskrit was reserved for like higher caste people, they would be brutalized. So there is this inherent violence in the language itself that we then are perpetuating in yoga. So now I'm really considering, is is that even something I want to participate in? Like, it was one thing to think about, oh, I have to learn all these new Sanskrit names and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, no, I don't. Actually, I don't. I don't. And maybe I won't. You know, the more I go through this journey, figuring out what it is to decolonize yoga, which has been a really interesting conversation about bodies in our culture and the ideals that we have been taught to ascribe to. For sure. That actually makes me curious about like, just in general, when you're taking these different classes and getting different certifications, like, uh, are you just bumping up against like, I don't know, like, whiteness and fat phobia and ableism and on all these things like at every turn or like (laughs) constantly Constantly. and here's the thing it is not it is not just white folks so unfortunately most people don't understand the history of fat phobia most people don't understand that it comes from directly from racism and that fat phobia is inherently anti-black Yeah, And so this is a concept that I've even had to explain to Black folks because it is so pervasive in our society to teach people that having a smaller body is equated with health. Right. And that, you know, this made-up disease of, quote, obesity is out to get us all. And that that is the cause for all of these diseases. So much so that, sorry, side thought, now that we're dealing with a pandemic, people want to mm-hmm. say that obesity is a risk factor for COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing that happen. <laughs> it's just, it's pervasive. We hate fat people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exhausting. And then knowing that that is rooted in anti-Blackness, it's like no aspect of my personage is generally accepted in society. Right. Right. So yes, the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's what I what I guess, but I don't know. I guess I was wondering like especially con- since you did find this yoga class, I'm like does that does that kind of um 
thought and teaching exist in other areas as well? Or is it just because yoga is kind of, you know, yoga is not super medical field, you know, even though I know dual is not a medical either. You know what I'm saying is like, I absolutely know what you're saying. It's interesting because the course that I am taking, I am one of, I think almost 7,500 scholarship recipients um, from starting from June mm-hmm. after the um, unrest in June, there were a lot of organizations Ooh. and folks who offered as an attempt to, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to put anything on this particular organization, but there were a lot of attempts for people to, um, what's the word I want? Do something. Appease? (laughs) That, yeah, sure. That's one way. Um, (laughs) And so I think that's part of where the scholarship program came out of. And so now there's a whole group of, you know, aspiring black yogis trying to work through this together. So Mm. in so many ways, it is encouraging. And we talk about, you know, painting yoga black because if you search for yoga, what you're not going to see is people who look like me. Right. And with most industries, if somebody is included outside of the quote unquote standard, it is just barely so. So it's not going to be um, dark women. It's going to be like biracial, which actually it would be closer to me than some of my darker brothers and sisters or black folks. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like barely inclusive. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's a conversation of one, how can we be that representation and bring yoga to our communities and exist in it? So it's a conversation between creating our own space versus trying to share space with what already exists. Right, right. Which is challenging because then there is the inherent work you have to do to try to create space in an already existing system that is not open to you. Even Mm -hmm. when they think they are trying to be, the amount of work that you have to put forward to teach them how to be inclusive is exhausting. Right. But then on the flip side, trying to build your own space and community is its own, you know, I don't want to say monster or beast, but like <laughs> situation, if you will. Yeah, it's it's incredibly hard to, you know, just like create a something out of nothing. Right. Right. You know, it's always going to be easier to or not easier, but less less monetarily intensive, less uh, less like groundwork if there's already some kind of groundwork there. But then at the same time. You know, a lot of that groundwork is is the problem. Like, I mean, Precisely. there's been a few of these episodes where somebody's talking about um, a completely different industry, but it, it's there's a direct parallel in my mind to how I feel about the fashion industry. Like, yes, it would be way easier to have started Smart Glamour um, within the way that the fashion industry currently works, and then just kind of like sprinkled some inclusivity inclusivity on top of it um but that wouldn't have solved the problem Mm. 
because right. it would be built on the same system that is hurting people. Right. Right. So you have to you have to start it on your own, which is just harder. Well, but I did also. Oops, no, go ahead. I think it's interesting. We also talk about how while there is all this work inherent in making it happen, it's also so vital to bring these possibilities and these opportunities for change and healing to these communities that so desperately need it. And part of that concept of decolonizing is making it more inclusive, making it more available, making it work for those who need it the most, rather than being this aspirational thing where you have to have the right brand of yoga pants and you have to look the right way and you have to go to the certain studio with a certain teacher as opposed to being in the community, making it accessible, affordable for any body, any person who shows up in any way to use it for their own healing. Right. Exactly. That is a huge thing in the black community and also in my work as a birth worker, when we look mm-hmm. at infant and we have no better word for maternal mortality rate in the black community, I can only hope that this kind of offering will help. Mm-hmm. And that's actually exactly what, what I was going to bring up when I was like, oh, wait, no, you go. Um, <laughs> I was going to bring up the, the fact that we've chatted a bit about um, that work. Uh, in your doula work and how um, you see your your work there as a way to um, be more uh, accessible to the folks who need it most, which at this current time um, is Black folks. Right. Yeah. Right. It's absolutely vital. And it's so challenging because the resources are just not proportionate. Mm -hmm. And so it it becomes a challenge as a birth worker because you want to provide services to those who need it most in whatever way you can, but you also have to pay your rent. So it's very challenging. And I find a lot as I work with the nonprofit and talking to newer doulas, I advocate fiercely for new doulas to not work for free unless it is an offering they are making specifically as a part of what they are doing. So rather than expecting newer doulas to work for free because they are new, Mm -hmm. that it is, I am doing, let's say, one pro bono or one discounted service every month. Mm -hmm. So it's something that's worked into their business model rather than what has, to my knowledge been like a standard that new doulas should work for significantly less or free which is just confusing to me <sighs> i mean sounds sounds like a doula internship <laughs> right <laughs> like people feel like they have to do it to get experience right but then right i, I mean it is no wonder that the turnover rate And burnout in this community is so high because the people who come into this work, excuse me, already do it because they have such a passion or they're working through their own thing. Mm -hmm. But so they're more likely to be willing 
to do things for low cost or free and think that that is acceptable. It is harder to convince people to charge something and charge enough so that they can survive because it feels um, antithetical to what this quote unquote calling is. Right. Right. Sometimes it's hard to charge what you're worth if you are not doing the work you're doing for money. Like you, like you need to make a living, but no one is like, I know I'll get rich quick, quick by being a doula. <laughs> and if they do think that they find out rather quickly, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I feel similarly with, um with teaching. I was actually just having this conversation earlier today about, you know, because now I offer like virtual courses for sewing and sketching and blah, blah, blah. And I'm doing all of them at a sliding scale because I feel that education should be accessible. And, I, you know, I'm doing, you know, mi- minimum students and whatnot so that I am being paid fairly um, mm-hmm. at the end of the class. But at the same time, I'm going to find a way to make it accessible for folks who want to learn these things, right. because that's how you keep people out of certain industries is by making the education for that industry too expensive. And I didn't decide to start teaching um, fashion and sketching and sewing to people because I thought it would be a good way to make a quick dollar. I mean, that's just not what it is. If I wanted to do that, I would be working my way up a corporate design office Mm, by now. Right, right. Well, and I think it's just a different way of looking at Okay, this is interesting because I think especially through this pandemic and the quarantine situation, I keep having this conversation with one particular friend of mine about productivity Mm. and specifically art. And uh, as I have said, that is like, it lives in me. Look, Mm -hmm. I, I am an actor. I am a potter. I have taken up painting. I knit like... I basically have an addiction to crafting hobbies. Mm-hmm. So talking to me about art, like you're not gonna, you're not gonna tell me that it's not worthwhile. There's no way that this society could persist without art, and especially now, more people are turning to art to get through their day. Yeah, and my friend is like, yeah, but what are you producing? And I was like, I like logically, I understand what you mean, but that's not it. You can't, <laughs> it's just not applicable. <laughs> oh, man. It is, but, and so I think there's this different mentality that people have um, that I feel like you and I are looking at it as this is something that I think society needs in order to grow, move forward, progress, as opposed to right. this is how I can be productive contribute to society and pay my rent. I mean, there's a little bit of that, but it's less production based and more. Right. It's the process. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we think that, I mean, I sell clothes, but I feel that way about them too. Like Absolutely. I, I <laughs> like, no, I'm, I know, you know, it's more about the experience. It's more about um, the messaging. It's more about um, the accessibility to folks. It's more about making sure people can, get what they want and feel um, taken care of and, and treated well than it is about like, Oh, look at this like cool new dress I designed that no one else has ever made before. And I'm going to make it, 
you know, cost this much amount of money and I'm going to put it on, on a completely unattainable body right. and like hold up this idea of pretension. I mean, like this just literally not ever a thing I ever wanted to do, even before I like became an adult and realized the inequities of the world. I just have never been interested in this kind of like asper- quote unquote aspirational, pretentious productivity based society. Right. Same Z's. But. So I do want to kind of twist it back around to mentioning at the beginning that you model for me and also mentioning uh, tying that into the multiple times you've talked about bodies and being in your body. Um, I will say from the person that casts you that um, you're one of the most fabulous people to have on a runway, specifically a glamour runway, because you embody joy and confidence and everyone in the room can feel it now what i also will say is that very often when you step in front of my camera to take a still image (laughs) you go oh god i literally was gonna say that like i i think i just break (laughs) like i don't know what my arms are like i don't know And you know what's very interesting is, so for folks who don't know, but you know, my husband is an actor and I take his headshots. And when he has to take still photos, he also loses it. He makes a weird fake smile. He can't handle it. So I'm wondering if there's some kind of something happening with when you are an actor and you're used to movement that when you think someone's going to take a still image somehow you lose the movement part. Like, you can also move in front of a camera. (laughs) I have thought about that. But you know what's funny? I only think about that when I'm not in front of the camera. (laughs) Uh uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's interesting because... It's interesting that he also struggles in front of the camera because he has done on-camera work. And I know for me, I am super comfortable on stage. Like, look... I'm good at my job. Okay. <laughs> I'm super stellar on stage, but, uh, and humble too, but you put me on camera and I look super pretty. Like well, clearly, I am blessed that I have some nice features that people think are attractive, but I get weird. Um, and I, <laughs> it just, everything goes awry and suddenly like, all that theater stuff, like the big expressions and I'm communicating. It's just so much. And then it comes across and people are like, do less. That's so interesting. Yeah. He doesn't have the issue when it's, when it's um, camera being used for video or film. Not at all. It's the second it becomes a photograph that he can't handle it. Interesting. Oh yes. Okay. This is fascinating. Let's delve into this someday. We should yeah. I mean, I mean, what I should do is set up a video camera while I'm taking headshots of him so that you can see what happens because it's a process. But I have to remind him to move, which honestly is something that I remind lots of of Mark Lammer models, specifically because, and this is not a complaint. I, I mean, this is something that I enjoy doing. I encourage people who have never modeled before to model for me and 
a very common thing that happens is people think that when you step in front of a camera to have your photo taken specifically for modeling, you have to have some kind of um, never ending list of full body poses yeah. to do one after another. Yeah. Just, just, it's just not what happens. <laughs> like you, that's not what, that's not what any model is doing. Um, yeah. Instead, they are moving their body fluidly in um smaller ways like like the the uh difference between movement to movement is small but it's movement and then the photographer's job is to capture it it's not the model's job to be like here's one whole pose and now i'm gonna move every single part of my body into another position on one two three and here's another pose like that's that's, my brain knows that but at some point there is like broken communication when you put me up there and I'm like okay body let's go and my body's like uh hold on let's talk about this (laughs) oh I know someday I'm gonna get it I swear someday I'm gonna get it I mean you're still good at it it just takes you a minute (laughs) it does and look that's why I always love the runway photos because I'm like oh there it is (laughs) yeah because you're moving (laughs) you're moving oh gosh the photo shoots i'm like oh poor mal has to pick one from that (laughs) (laughs) oh don't even (laughs) so okay so on the topic of of photo shoots i do want to go back to what i quickly mentioned about your runway walk but is really just your presence in life is that you happen to be a very um motivational human like not not like a not like a oh your profession is to be a motivational speaker but just the fact like you in a room helps other people in the room like just let go and be themselves and I'm wondering if that is just who you've always been or if it's something you have worked to be or if it's even something that you think about (sighs) yeah um I think it depends on the situation. Some of it is you just get good at performing. Mm. I think as an actor, I'm able to detach a little from like those thoughts about how my body is looking because Mm. I am a character. That sounds super like weird to say, but it, it somehow it's like not, oh gosh, it's Michaela and I'm standing here and I'm like, no, I'm like, oh, I put on this costume and it doesn't matter how I look because it's my costume. And it, and I think we've had this conversation actually before um, about sometimes I'm, sometimes I think, oh, if I put on certain clothing, no one will know what my body looks like. <laughs> oh yeah, we've had this conversation. <laughs> and that's, just not logical. Okay. It's just, uh, it's not true mm-hmm. and it's not logical. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like this switch where when I'm around people and especially in that situation, because it is such a loving group of folks who are just existing together joyously in such a wide variety of bodies and experiences that you're just like, Oh, amazing people. This is fun. <laughs> Yeah, I think part of it is that becomes infectious. Mm. And I think part of it is being able to shut off that voice that constantly questions what my body looks like and is doing. 
in certain situations. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. No, yeah, it does. You're you're attributing part of it to your training as an actor and part of it to the environment um, that has been created in a smart glamour space. That also allows people to just let go and be themselves because they feel safe. Right. And there's such a wide variety of people, bodies, presentations that you're no longer, well, let me speak for myself. I'm not Mm -hmm. as focused on, do I fit in? Because no. And that's the point. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have Mm -hmm. to, I just get to be whatever I am that day. Like however I show up. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's really helpful also in the way that you structure the shoots and the runway and that there's no requirements for hair, makeup, Mm-hmm. outside of like maybe your shoes could blend with the outfit and not distract <laughs> I mean but be the right be the right season <laughs> right <laughs> yeah but otherwise it's I, I mean I think I've shown up to things with no makeup but a nice lip I think I've shown up to things like full face beat for the gods I mm-hmm. and like everywhere in between and it just depends mm-hmm. on where I am that day, what I feel like, if I want to do a full face or if I just don't. Right. And feeling. And I mean, that's that's the point is yeah. like I I want people to be themselves. And if yourself is full beat, great. If yourself is you don't own any makeup, also great. Yeah. Because there, that's what exists in the world. So, like, the point is to have accurate representation, not diversity points, but accurate representation. You should be able to find somebody who loves makeup, somebody who doesn't own it at all, somebody who only wears flats, somebody who only wears heels, somebody who needs a mobility device, somebody who is a personal trainer, you know, like, because that's the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that environment, that's the part that becomes infectious and it's a lot of fun because <laughs> you just start chatting with people and it's you're just like oh you're awesome no you're awesome <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. great well that makes me very happy and also makes me miss everybody even more than i already oh do gosh, it's so true <laughs> it's so true <laughs> humans <sighs> truly um, so very last thing before you tell people where to follow you on the internet, um, what is something that you would say to somebody who is interested in some kind of body work, whether that's one of the many certifications, you have, uh, <laughs> you know, massage therapy or doula training or yoga or anything else, um, but feels like maybe they're not th- like they're not allowed to do it because it's not targeted to their body. Similarly to like how we've described you, like what would you say to that person? Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Such a logical question. And it's so hard to put into words in like a simple mm-hmm. way. I think mm-hmm. I would say, the most terrifying part is showing up. But mm. when you do, 
you are creating for others what you wish you had for yourself. And sometimes it is, I don't want to say tricking yourself, but thinking of it, part of it is thinking outside of yourself. And part of it is actively working to let go of the ideas that have been forced upon you. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is an ongoing, ever-present task. And I think during the current world experience, it is even more important because how we live our lives has changed and therefore the way we inhabit our bodies and what they look, feel like, and do is changing. And so I spend a lot of my time encouraging folks to be gentle and patient. Mm -hmm. And I taught... (laughs) So I taught my first yoga class yesterday. And I think one of the most important things when you show up to yoga is being grateful, gracious, and patient with yourself and your body. Showing up to the mat every day, wherever you are, in whatever way you can, without expectation that it happen or behave a certain way. And really honoring where your body is at in that moment in time rather than trying to constantly be molding, shaping, and changing your body to perform a certain way. And I think that goes back to what I was talking about earlier about this idea of yoga. And what I find so powerful about it is every day I show up and it's completely different, but just showing up is enough. Mm -hmm. That is yoga. And it may be that I just lay on my mat for a while and that is yoga. Hmm. Just showing up. That's it. Just show up. Okay. I had to do a lot of word vomit to get there. That's what I would tell somebody. Just show up. No, that was a beautiful answer. I liked all of it. (laughs) Sometimes I have to talk it out loud before I get to my point. (laughs) Well, honestly, you started with your point, to be fair. Great. You said you said show up and then you elaborated and then you you restated. So I think you did a great job. Good. You're welcome. Oh, Michaela. So (laughs) where where should people follow you on the internet? Oh my gosh, please stalk me. Um I seriously. Oh, it's my favorite. I am on the Instagram at Micklin. No. Oh my gosh. Let me not lie to you. Yes. Yes, you're Micklin. Micklin? Okay. Sometimes it's Mick, sometimes it's Mika. Okay, so on the yeah. Instagram, Micklin, and then also Michaela Lynn PCS is my business. Oh. So Michaela okay. Lynn and then PCS for perinatal care specialist. Cool. And Facebook, Samesies. Mm-hmm. And I technically have a TikTok. Oh. So let's just talk about someday if I start TikToking. The world is over. Like you're welcome. It's over for everyone. Seriously. (laughs) I don't know what you'll do with yourselves if I TikTok. (laughs) You'll just never leave the app. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to do it now. Oh, I'm going to do it. Please do. What is your handle? I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. Tickety talk. Hold on. I got to open the tickety talk. I'm just learning how to use it. I have posted one video. So there one. is in existence one video. 
but I don't really know how to do it. Okay, it's Mika Lynn J. M I K A L Y N N J. Got it. <laughs> now I have to post well, videos. Yep, now you said it on a podcast, so you got to do oh, it. God. That's the rule. This will be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. We'll go on it. It is going to be great. Hello. I can't wait. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I love you so much. And I oh, appreciate thank you. Thank you for asking me. This is a lot of fun. I love talking. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Fashion for All. Please be sure to check our show notes for information and links to our guests and their work. Be sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. For more Smart Glamour goodness, you can head to smartglamour.com and follow us on Facebook at backslash smartglamour and Instagram at smart underscore glamour. Thanks. <laughs>